God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. I remember fondly my years as a homeschooling mom in New York City. From our annual not back to school picnic to our weekly gatherings for games like Capture the Flag, Central Park's Great Hill near 108th Street, in good weather and sometimes bad, was our hub and home. We gathered on the hill to discuss life and relationships, to rally and protest as we fought for student metro cards or some other bureaucratic struggle with the Board of Education, to cry and pray with each other over the quickly changing pace of parenthood of this beautiful but brutal thing called life, which was in so many ways moving beyond the limits of our control. But always there was food. I think we gathered to experience the miracle of it. It was and remains a sacramental act, this partaking in the bread of life together. So at any gathering, whether it be business or social, we brought and shared food. It is this memory dislodged from that sweet season of motherhood that I bring to my interpretation of the feeding of the 5,000. On the Great Hill, we were Democrats and Republicans, young and old, every race and ethnic mix. Educated, wealthy, school of lifers, single and married, poor and middle class, artists and teachers, writers, doctors and lawyers. There was even a comedian. But more than that, on the hill, on this great leveling plain, we were God's perfectly imperfect people doing the work of love. We practiced the justice of eating. We shared the food we had. Whatever differences we had on the hill, food was something we could agree on. Every child, everyone we believed should know the human right and blessing of a meal. There was always enough. There was always food to share, and so we did. We pulled peanut butter sandwiches and boiled eggs, chicken salad and bananas, tortilla chips and guacamole, juice boxes and bottles of water. When we didn't have that, we scraped together money for pizza. Maybe today's text isn't about the magic of multiplying food, but more about the miraculous movement of Jesus in the heart of humanity to share. In John's retelling of this story, the miracle is set up as a test, a lesson. Jesus is clearly teaching. I believe it's the same here. In Matthew's gospel, when the disciples fall back on the story of lack and inadequacy, Jesus assures them that they have the power to do this work, that what they have is enough. The people need not go away, Jesus says. You give them something to eat. The hungry cannot wait. You must respond. See, this is how it's done. Let me show you. He's teaching them to let go of fear, to trust, to live into this new way of doing and being in the world. 
It's about abandoning a mindset of scarcity for the grace of enough. And noticing that perhaps the answer could begin with what's already in our possession. The good work could begin in your hands or mine. Jesus repeatedly tells them, us, to do the work God's called us to do. We already have all that we need. We already have enough. Orioki is the Japanese word used to describe a formal meal. It literally means just enough. It is the guest's responsibility to take as much or as little of each dish desired. There are no seconds and one is expected to eat what they have placed in their bowls. The goal of the practice is to help one learn to request just enough. It is a practice of eliminating waste, tuning in to what one needs to feel satisfied. The gospel writer tells us that all ate and were filled, alluding to a state of contentment. Jesus wants us to understand this feeling of fulfillment and gratification of enough and to know the power of it. I'm thinking of today's gospel, remembering the wisdom of the work on that hill and filtering that through the practice of Orioki. I'm wondering about giving and receiving and our responsibility to each other as members of a community. What is enough and could enough be the new abundance. I'm also imagining something like the first city harvest project as the disciples gathered up all that excess food. This kind of abundance is the fruit of love in action. Archbishop Desmond Tutu reminds us that the good news for a hungry person is bread. And I imagine us all as participants in the feeding of our communities. Each of us are called to, in some way, bring what we have, participate in the cycle of distribution. In the womanist tradition, we know salvation as experiential. It is known through the flesh. In satisfying this most fundamental need, Jesus orchestrates an experience that had little to do with magic and everything to do with the community-wide shift in what it means to trust in the truth of enough. The hope is that they will not only trust him, but learn to trust each other. Therein lies the challenge for us. Like the disciples, we struggle with learning new and unlearning old patterns of thinking. As we seek to grow in discipleship, this deep trust and care for each other is the hard part. The disciples experience this moment of radical sharing and community building and in the very next chapter, have to be asked again by Jesus to move beyond their feelings of scarcity, to pool and pull together their resources to model the miracle of beloved community. The lesson, if not simple, is clear. Do as I do, Jesus says, follow me. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. The disciples model Jesus's behavior 
And in my sanctified imagination, witnessing that sharing compelled others to add whatever they had to the community feeding pot that day. Somewhere between verse 19 and 20, something broke open and a beautiful wave of communal generosity flowed and all ate and were filled. There was enough. The history of food and justice is long and the story of this feeding is both remedy and resistance to the wrongs of the ancient world wrongs we still face today. But Jesus in his wild love for the world wants for us more than a full belly. In the middle of all those miracles and feedings, Jesus is working to create disciples. Jesus wants the miracle of the shifted heart. A changed heart, he knows, produces a people of radical trust, a people willing to walk the way of love. And that kind of love can change the world. Today, we're living through, for the Western world, the great leveling of a pandemic, one that has exposed the systemic inequities of our way of life, the social structures which present opportunities for some and obstacles for others. Torn down is the myth of equitable and unparalleled prosperity. We don't have it all together. We've made so many mistakes and still have so much to learn. We're facing record levels of unemployment and the need for a second stimulus package to help families cover basic necessities. There is a demand for food justice, the heartfelt belief that food should not be a privilege. In response, local pantries like ours are serving record numbers of hungry and food insecure people and families and built around an ethic of communal confidence, one that makes real that principle of Orioki, where re recipients are trusted to take food as needed. A movement of free food refrigerators have popped up across the boroughs to address food shortage and waste. I didn't know it, but nationally, we waste 30 to 40% of our food supply. Just try to wrap your head around that. It's difficult to do, but it speaks directly to the message of enough as a new kind of abundance. It's time to break free from the message of scarcity that holds us captive. The message that told the disciples what they had wasn't enough. The message that tells us we're powerless in the face of a government unwilling to tear down and rebuild economic structures that simply aren't working for the vast majority of us. We're being led, maybe in even forced, to imagine another way. We need the Jesus movement. We need a band of believers, disciples committed to the work of love in action. When it is dark and late, when things get hard, seemingly hopeless, Jesus calls on believers, us, to do the work of love. In a season of hardship and so much need, will we remember this time in that deserted place and that lesson, what Jesus taught? Use what you have. Do what you can. What you have is enough. It is the new abundance. Jesus invites us to an activist faith, 
one that compels us to respond to the great love of Jesus by doing something to benefit someone else. Bless, break, share. It's what Jesus models and commands. We were just moms and a few dads in the park back then, loving and raising our kids, teaching each other and hopefully them how to participate in a new kind of economy, God's economy of enough. I remember those days as holy and that lesson as one of unimaginable grace. Use what you have, do what you can. What you have is enough. It is the new abundance. May it be so. Amen.